Let's go ahead and talk about it. Pretend we're football for the next hour. I'm your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Timothy Preston, as always. You guys are listening to the Hornscast channel. It's the Hornscast channel on any podcasting platform out there. Today we're going to be talking about yet another bad ending for Shaka Smart as the Longhorns fall. The number three-seeded Longhorns fall to the number 14-seeded Abilene Christian Wildcats. Wildcats. And talk about what the hell just happened. What was the game plan? What's up with Shaka? What happened to the guard play? What was up with the game plan again? You know what? What is going on? What, give a season overview and in, in how that loss basically poisoned the entire season, and then talk about where we are on Shaka Smart. Are we done with him? And if we are done with him, what type of coach could Texas potentially pull? And get into more of that, y'all. I'm looking at the faces on the Skype call right now. Nobody is happy to be here right now. We, we wanted to record, not tonight, but after Tuesday. We are not recording after Tuesday. We're recording on a Sunday night because Texas couldn't take care of business. It is a classic, classic theme of Texas athletics in general this past decade as... Texas just cannot maintain momentum. They cannot keep up the good momentum that they get. And there always has to be one game a year where they lose to a team they should not. This year, it happened to be in the round of 64 in March Madness against the Abilene Christian Wildcats. Yes, they're a good team. Yes, they had the most turnovers in the country on average. Yes, I get it. The the March Madness. Texas should not lose to Abilene Christian in the round of 64. Am I wrong? Yeah, they should lose to them in the Elite Eight, at least. Exactly. Yeah. At at least. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. Uh, It really fucking sucks. There's there's no two ways around it. Um, it is a gut punch uh, of the highest order. I have spent basically all day walking around like some sort of lost zombie, not entirely sure where I'm supposed to be uh, or what food is or why that light in the sky is so bright um, and why it's why it's so hot. Um, I just. It it it, <laughs> it was a slow knife to the heart, one that you know it didn't. It started. You could see coming. You could see it coming. You could see that Texas was just not there. That their even their heart wasn't really in it. That, no, that it's it's okay. I I don't think that their heart wasn't in it. Like they not as much could. as ACU's was. You no, can see the difference I, on the benches. Come on, dude. It, no, I don't. It's it's not like Texas is like, I don't really care if I win this. I mean, they clearly cared a shit ton. I don't think that a- ACU uh, had had controlling market share on caring. Um, it's ACU was was they were more upbeat 
<laughs> they were more emotive, maybe, uh, as the game wore on. But this this idea that Texas didn't care is just it's not it's not correct. Um, or that they didn't. I'm not saying they didn't much. care. I'm saying they didn't care as much as ACU cared. Yeah, and I think that's bullshit because it's the it's March Madness. It's why all of them are there. They want this more than I have wanted anything in my life. Probably. There is no team that shows up to March Madness and is like, well, you know, we want to win, but if we don't, it's fine. Like, there, there, there are issues of execution and of tactics we can just talk about, but this caring thing is okay, just maybe, a Okay, maybe it was more they expected to win. Yeah. And when things didn't go their way, they didn't react the way that they should have. Yeah, I think it's, it's fair to say that Texas was shook. They got shipped yes. towards the end. That's that's the way. Yes, um, in a situation where multiple times over the course of this season, I have seen them bow up and yeah, you know, assert their swagger, especially Matt Coleman. In the last couple minutes, that they, they there was a what is it? Bomani calls it. There was a lemon booty alert, um, and they 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 were getting tight. It was dawning on them how close this was and how fragile the situation was. And some of them stepped up here and there. I mean, defensively they stepped up, but, and Andrew Jones hit a big shot with 15 seconds left that in theory should have won them the game. So there were things, but yeah, they, they were shook. They got shook real fast. Micro level. Was that last foul a foul? Yes. Do you there's, call that foul? I, well, so there, I think there's two questions there are two, two sort of, parallel discussions there one was it a foul yes two in the context of what they had been letting go the rest of the game is that something that got called the rest of the game not not so much so yes it was absolutely a foul it sucks that they decided that moment was when they're going to start enforcing that when some dudes were getting murdered under the rim earlier in the game and nothing was getting called but yes it was a foul okay back to this game and the game plan here because yes the Longhorns were shook. I guess that's the correct way to put it. What was the game plan against ACU? It seems like Texas should have known what they were getting into going up against ACU. They know that they were a team that forced a lot of turnovers, played a lot like Texas Tech, and you know would, would deny inside pen- penetration, would take a lot of charges, would try to take advantage of poor ball movement, just take advantage of every little mistake. They are the smallest team in the tournament. There should have been some sort of game plan there that took advantage of just the the overall lack of ability that they had compared to Texas. I mean, there was a guy on the floor who was 5'7". Five, 5'7". Seven, five and you can't take advantage of that. What the hell was up with the game plan? What was the game plan? <laughs> well, if anything, it seemed like the game plan was kind of very similar to what our normal game plans are. And by that, I mean that we seem to to trust a lot of our ball screen actions. We trusted our guards to be initiators and to create durable penetration. We 
found set plays pretty rarely, or at least it kind of felt pretty rarely. Out of timeouts, we did a good job. That very first play of the game, I thought Texas did a terrific job of 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 limiting the dribble and finding quick passes. The way that the way that you should attack a team like ACU, if you are a long, talented team like Texas is, is you become a passing team, and you you kind of execute against their willingness to get themselves out of position because of overhelping or um, you know their willingness to scramble um, and and the very first possession of the game you know it, it, it the ball changed sides twice came back around to Andrew Jones up on top he throws a pass down to Jericho dunk it's just like okay you know so when I, when I watched that play I was like ah good that feels like kind of the offensive system that we should run against these guys and then, you know, a couple plays later, Kai Jones slams into somebody on a dribble penetration, gets a foul. And then Ramey does the exact same thing, gets a foul. And then Andrew, you know, has a player control foul. And, and, and it's just like, wait a second. No, no, that's not what we do. And then, <laughs> you know, there was that stretch where where Ramey pulls up for a quick three and penetrate on, on the break. And then Andrew does the same thing on the break. And then Ramey, you know, misses that weird layup on the break. And it's just like all of these weird things of like, no, we just, we're better than them. We just got to move the ball. We just got to stay true to it. And, and I think that Texas kind of played, you know, played as if they were going to be loose, as if this is going to be any other game and that uh, our proficiencies were going to win out because we were just better. And it's March and it didn't work out that way. And, you know, on the one hand, you can look at that and say, yeah, this is madness, right? This is, we know this, every single team, whether it's Illinois today or whether it was Ohio State on whatever day that was that they lost or whether it was us or or whatever, we know that that exists. And yet when it happens to you, when it's your team, that's the one that's not, that's not executing, it, it becomes really frustrating. But I obviously don't I don't know the specific decision making as far as how they wanted to attack, but it did not seem as if we were looking at this game as anything other than like, hey, we think that we can get penetration into the paint off of ball screens or off of ISOs. And it's not that 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 didn't work. It's that that really, 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 really didn't work uh, to a pretty horrible outcome. What do you mean it really, really, really didn't work? Like like 23 turnovers? <laughs> uh, like seven? Like Matt having seven turnovers? Um, well, what was the reaction by Shaka Smart and the coaches? What was the game plan change come halftime when you already are eclipsing what was Texas's season high in one half? What seemed pretty obvious as time went on was just this idea that Andrew and Courtney and seemingly Matt just didn't have an answer. Like they just, for whatever reason, they could do it against North Carolina. They did it, you know, last week against Tech. They did it against Oklahoma State. They did it against Kansas twice. They did it against West Virginia. You know, all those teams to differing degrees have some pretty aggressive defenses. And yet in this game, they just were completely out of sorts you know, Matt dribbling the ball off of his foot with 45 seconds to go or or um, Ramey, I think at one point Ramey could have gone left uh, into no one and went right into three defenders within like six feet of him. Um, you know, just little stuff like that, that, that 
it just really felt like we didn't have an answer from our guards with the ball in their hands. And I don't know, I don't really know what to make of that other than it, it, yeah, not good enough whether they, whether Shaka needed to say, all right, damn it, I'm going to, we're going to legit, legitimately go to a, some type of actual set play every single time down the court, or if we needed to, I, I just don't even know. <laughs> and some of the lineups were weird. Like at one point it was like, it was Coleman and Ramey and Cunningham and Jones or and Kai Jones and, and Jericho. Like he even was like toying and trying to tinker with some of the stuff. And it just, it just one thing after the next just did not work. But Coleman had seven turnovers. I think Ramey had five. I believe Andrew had four. When you're talking 16 turnovers from your starting guards, that's just, I don't know how you overcome that. And obviously, Do you know they, the last time Matt Coleman had seven turnovers in a game? What was like sixth grade or something like that? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't at Texas. He's never had seven turnovers in a game at Texas. He's yeah. had six. He's never had seven. I don't want to plan it all on him because it's, you know, it was a, it was a team fuck up. Uh, they, they all had their roles in it. Uh, maybe not Jericho. He seemed to be fine. Um, but we've, we've talked multiple times in the past about like, well, you know, when Texas gets a good game out of three of the four players or two of the four players, uh, you know, they have a chance, a, a, you know, sort of decreasing chance. Well, they got a good game out of one out of the four and that was Jericho and he's of limited use when the other three are not doing what they need to do. Homie had three shot attempts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And he made them all, and he made his free throws. Like, and he, you know, you he's ask a, he, more from Jericho Sims in that game. You really yeah, couldn't. Yeah, well, it, you, you could if you got him the ball. Um, yes. <laughs> he had, I mean, he had a double double. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know Texas is you know, offensively employing a system that has some similarities to the NBA style in terms of the skip passes and the dribble tr- penetration, kicking out that sort of thing. One of the downsides to that is if a team is sufficiently aggressive at going after passing lanes, they can pick off those because they're, they tend to be longer passes. Um, sometimes they're most of the way across the court and, and they, they're a higher degree of difficulty pass and they hang in the air a little longer because of the distance they're going. And a team that is, very keen on exploiting that can play those passing lanes and pick off passes. And that happened a number of times. Um, some of it was poor decision-making by the Texas guards. And some of it was just ACU playing the really good defensive game. Like they, they did, they had a legitimately good defensive game plan against Texas and Texas didn't respond with, with appropriate, you know, force, however you want to say it. So it certainly seemed like Golding, is friends with beard. Oh yeah. Cause that looked like a, that looked like a tech knows these guys and we'll give you every single tendency that they have. Yeah. No, I, that's, I, <laughs> I made a comment last night that, um, I'm, I guess he picked up those mouth sores while he was in Lubbock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean myself and every other Texas fan wants somebody to blame. They want somebody to blame for this game. I know there's no way to do it. Well, I mean, there's, there's no several to people it. to blame. I mean, you could pick. You, there, there are multiple players who had bad games who did not play up to standard. You know, we we named multiple ones thus far. You know, I I don't know if you can really blame like stretch 
or Brock, you know, like the, the, the sort of the small, smaller role guys. Royce Ham actually did all right. Like, right. he, he actually went straight up and stood up a defender at the rim. Like, nine times out of 10, no, 99 times out of 100, if Royce does that, he's fouling him. And he didn't. Like, he actually had an okay game in limited minutes. I mean, he, you know, he, he's got his, his limitations. But, like, if everybody played to the level of Royce, Texas is playing on Monday. And, and they're, you know, but they're not. So, um, I mean, you can blame, uh, you can put some blame on the coaching staff for their adjustments or decisions during the game. Uh, you can put some blame on players for not executing plays properly and turning the ball over too much, especially the guards. Like there's, there's plenty of people you can blame. That's, I don't think that's what we're lacking here. <laughs> like there's, there's, it's sort of which culprit do you want to pick? Because we got seven. So I don't, I don't even. I mean, I know it sounds like I'm taking this out on y'all, but this is just all these emotions I've been kind of bottling up over the past day, just kind of coming out. Like I, I want to blame somebody. There's so many people to blame. They're all players. I want to blame the coaches. Well, blame them all. Like I mean, it's at the end of the day, the loss is shared because the the coaching staff didn't push the right buttons during the game to make the prop, you know, the adjustments they tried did not work. The tinkering with the lineup they tried did not work. So you can put blame there. Uh, you can put blame on the players because they did not execute while they're on the floor well enough. Uh, basically, other than Jericho, Jericho was fine. Like, he's he's okay. You know, I mean, he wasn't perfect because nobody's perfect. But of all the people, he could walk away feeling like, I did what I could. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, don't just... Pick one, pick one, pick three. I mean, like, but even then it just doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good. It really no. doesn't. Like it's, it's, it's still knowing what went wrong doesn't make this feel better. No, nothing will make this feel better. This is, this no. is to me, this is the worst sports loss I have dealt with ever. I, I told Tim that this has replaced the 2011 Arizona three seconds game as my worst gut punch sports loss ever. I mean, maybe if I were like a bigger baseball fan than like the Rangers getting down to one strike and losing the world series. That might be, you know how to make my day, Johnny, you're, you're you know welcome. how to make my day. You're welcome. Glad I could help you out there. Like that could be one. Like I, I understand why Rangers fans are forever tortured because that's sitting there and they didn't, if, if, if I was a Mavs fan, then the Miami heat finals would gnaw at me forever. Had they not gone ahead and won the 2011 title, you know, like that's that's sort of the difference, right? And this is uh, Nicole Auerbach, who writes for the Athletic and, and is, a, is a good writer and, and and a solid journalist. She posted a tweet after Virginia lost to Iowa, uh, you know, fourth uh, thirteen beating a four. If you look at Virginia's last four Ohio. years, or yeah, sorry, Ohio. Yes, yes, you're right. Um, if you look at Virginia's last four year four years, it is. First ever team to lose to a 16 seed, national title, no tournament, lost in the first round to a 13. And she said, if you're another school, you know, do you take that? Yes or no? Knowing that that's, yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely, the, the, the answer is a thousand percent yes, because the title is there. But were that title not there, that would be an excruciating four year run. And that'd be enough to make a lot of people lose faith in their deity of choice. So 
that's what we're dealing with right now is as Texas basketball fans is is that you know we don't have that banner to, to as a counterweight we're just dealing with this and northern Iowa and Nevada OT and you know that's just that's what it is that's that's the that's the pain we we haven't gotten the payoff you know there's there's been no happy endings it's just a whole lot of Robert Kraft going on <laughs> well Speaking of the banner, Texas did win the Big 12 championship this year. I, I mean, this poisons that, doesn't it? This 100% poisons that. You can't look at the rest of the season and be like, eh, it was okay, because what really matters is March. What really matters is March and how you perform in March. I guess technically the Big 12 championship was in March, but I feel like that poisons this. Maybe I'm a little too close right now to this loss and most Texas fans are right now. Give me a logical, the way you can do it, Tim. Does it poison that? Does it, this loss this season, this, uh, the one of the worst losses in Texas basketball history poison this season. Certainly. We sat here a couple years ago and talked about grading the NIT championship team. And we said, okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna grade the season and talk about it. And I think that my final grade was like a C minus or a C or something like that. And and I said, well, if if you don't include the NIT, this was a, this would have been a failing grade. You know, sixteen and sixteen that year would have been a failing grade. But because of the NIT, all right, I'll pump it up to you know passing, although not spectacular. If you ask me to grade that same year in hindsight now, a couple years later, I, th- I think that that's probably pretty close to what I would say. Does does the loss Abilene Christian mar an otherwise pretty fine season? Yeah, I don't think I, there's just absolutely no way that you can say no to that. If for no other reason, I think Texas matches up really well against UCLA, and <laughs> things look to like maybe kind of be opening up into a to a pretty wide open season as far as as far as March Madness is concerned and. And, you know, you see upsets happening all around and teams like Loyola Chicago and Oral Roberts and stuff like that. Like, those are some of the teams that are going through right now as we're, as we're recording this. Oregon State is kind of putting it on Oklahoma State and, you know, stuff like that kind of it, – it it can't help but weigh on your mind. It's like, okay, well, if they if that foul doesn't get called or whatever, if, if things were just a little different, how would we feel? Like – but from from the same standpoint, yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. Now the other part of it, Will, is homie, when we won the Big Twelve Championship, I've got a bunch of gear coming. <laughs> I've got some shirts that say Big Twelve Champions, and that that's a banner that's going to make a difference. And when we talked about when we talked about this same question a couple weeks ago, and I said, "All right, they had they had these." They had these goals before the season starts. We want to win the Maui Invitational. We want to win the Big 12. We want to win the Big 12 tournament, and we want to win a national championship. Well, they're two for four, right? They won Maui. They took, you know, they tied for third, and they won the Big 12 tournament title. That in a year for Texas basketball is pretty good, and it's it's unquestionably it's unquestionably growth and progress under Shaka. Is it enough? Were the results this year indicative of the talent that Texas had? Is is someone who is already a little bit skeptical about Shaka going to be swayed by what happened this year? Not today. 
in two weeks if they're looking back? Will the pain and hurt from from the, this loss be dulled a bit and you'll feel good about it? Maybe. I've still got the Kansas game in Lawrence on my DVR. I shall be <laughs> I shall be pulling that up occasionally throughout the summer. But look, I I said before the season I thought an Elite Eight run was possible. And nothing that I saw all year long, even when they were struggling, made me change that guess. No matter what happens, whether it's Greg Brown not progressing like we wanted him to, or whether it's Courtney and Andrew just never being able to figure out how to actually dribble in traffic, whether it's it's Matt Matt struggling occasionally with you know with the clunker, even though he's been so good a lot of the rest of the year, and it boils down to Shaka, man. That's just that's just what it is, and he's. He's the one guy, as far as that matters, that you can actually fire. You can't fire Donovan Williams. You can't fire Brock. You can fire Shaka, or you can prompt him as forcefully or as thoughtfully as possible to go get another job or something. But I mean, I'm, I still, <laughs> I'm very on brand. I think Shaka can win here. I think so. I think we need better guards. I believe Tamar Bates is is very good. I think Amari and Ellis is a is a guy that can maybe help us eventually. But but I you know it just it's just not enough right now. And if people are hoping for a you know a big turnaround or some kind of deeper run next year, I mean maybe it's possible. But eventually this it gets was tough. The year. To, this yeah, was this the was year. it. Certainly was. And and again, <laughs> if I gave you those four goals four months ago and said we're going to accomplish two of them I suppose the two that we did accomplish are the two that I would least have valued <laughs> you yep. know a regular yep. a regular season Big 12 win would have been very good uh, obviously a national championship would have been yeah, pretty pretty nice I guess I mean you don't but, even need a, a national championship get out of the goddamn first weekend yeah, man I, get I your agree first and, tournament win especially to beat Tech to beat Oklahoma State in the fashion that Texas did, and then to lose to Abilene Christian, like how can you? How can the dichotomy of of that team be it? But you know, you see it again. Illinois lost today, and not that Loyola is not a very good team. Obviously, they're very good. Maybe Loyola shocks the world and wins. I don't think so. But man, it's that that it's was tough. an eight seed that should have been a four. Oh, or three, yeah. yeah. So, like, so, it's not yeah. even comparable. Or Roberts is another it's, one. It's just not comparable. Um, or Roberts is like a fifteen or whatever. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, this it's, was the year for Ohio State. But. Yeah, well, I mean, but the thing is, Ohio State is, and I'd have to. And go they back also and, have football, and they've had success in the past, and yeah. No, it's not that. It's that Ohio State has been, and I'm going to look up their history here. I think Holtman has been building like. They were probably going to be a five seed last year. They were a five seed three years ago. They they were a two this year. They were doing fine. They they won twenty plus games every season, including this one. Right? Like it's not exactly the same. I, I so I think if you take this season in a vacuum, not in the larger context of Shaka's tenure, but this season in a vacuum, um, it 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 hurts that they lost this game. But it is overall a pretty good season, right? Like it, it is up until, you know, 24 hours ago, it was largely along the lines of what I expected this year. And that is, as Tim pointed out, definitely progress 
from where they've been, and it is it is in theory an upward trajectory. Um, I mean, fin- finishing out the season in the top ten in the AP poll. I mean, that's Rick Barnes shit. Sure, he was really good. Yeah, and, and it's and that's that's fair, right? Like that's not I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that point. And I like again, just within this season, with only the scope of this season, they had a good year. It was an extremely disappointing end to a, a good year. But the larger scope here, the larger scope of Shaka's tenure, the larger scope of this was the peak of his talent cycle. This was the year he was supposed to get it done. Like this is last year of Barnes shit is what it is. Is like he had a team that theoretically could have made a Final Four run. I mean, he had Miles Turner on top of all those other teams, uh, all those other players. They at least had the possibility, right? Like it wasn't it wasn't a given, but that team should have made some noise. And it didn't. Despite their early season success, they they sort of, you know, in very Rick Barnes fashion, kind of faltered down the stretch and he just started hanging on tighter and tighter and everything just went to hell. And, you know, he and Miles didn't really get along, et cetera, et cetera. I, I mean, the difference here is that Shaka clearly gets along with his players. They're still, they still fight for him. They, they still love him to death, right? Like he hasn't lost the locker room at all. Um, it may be the only room in Austin he hasn't lost at this point, but he hasn't lost that one. At the end of this, we're at year six. There are zero NCAA tournament victories, and there is a an 11-win season in there. There's uh, multiple lower half of the Big 12 finishes in the conference. Um, there's been a lot of growing pains. And and what, what hurts about this loss for me, it, beyond just the loss itself, is that we were finally getting to this point of like, okay, we can see a clear progression, and here is the sort of, here's the arc. Here's the the upward trajectory. You know, maybe they make it to the Sweet 16 and get bounced by Florida State or whatever, right? Like, win a couple games, and we have something to say, okay, here's here's proof. But as much as the regular season stuff matters, and from a rational point, you know, if, if you're speaking just logically, the regular season things they did were good, should be factored in as pluses. But at the end of the day, as much as that stuff matters, he's also here to win in March. And that's where these guys make the money that they make is by making runs. Whether they're Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, whatever, there there are wins or there is a win, which he has yet to do. And he's coming up clearly short. And And when you combine that with the anathema of Texas fans towards him at this point, like he's he he spent a whole season getting people to sort of kind of finally buy in a little bit and he just handed them all a blank check to tell him to fuck off again because once again Shaka isn't doing it in March and so i mean at a certain point it's like how many times are we going to run this back and try this again other than diehards like Tim and myself who are going to pay attention regardless Who's going to give a fuck about this basketball team when the only way they are going to get people back is by performing in the tournament that they have thus far never performed in. And it's just, Shaka is this, he, it's like, I don't know, like, it's like, it's like you're in a, a marriage that has these moments of divine bliss, but there's also times when you're like, when you find them like 
stealing 20 bucks out of your wallet for no apparent reason and, or like keeps getting drunk and driving home from the bar or something like this just it's just after how many years do you put up with it in the hopes of oh well you know maybe this year right like a&m went through that they went through that with um turgeon wasn't it turgeon no it wasn't turgeon who was the guy who just left kennedy kennedy yes thank you they went through years of this of this you know, other than him hiring Stansbury and and the recruits following, he 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 underwhelmed for the vast majority of his tenure. By the end, nobody at A and M gave a shit about that program, and they finally had to get rid of him after I think it was like seven seven or eight seasons. And like, we're getting there with Shaka. Like, how how much longer do you give this guy quote-unquote, write the ship when he's now through a full recruiting class of his. Like, his guys are now graduating. One one full recruiting class? He's had a few. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess I view the Coleman year as his first real... No, Andrew, Andrew was his first year. Oh, was that? Yeah, yeah, okay, you're right. Yep, yep, okay, so he's more than through one. So... <laughs> check that. Thank, thank you, Tim, for helping me make the point against him. Um, yeah, it's just... I, I don't see a path back at this point. It's like there's too much just it's not even bad blood at this point. It's it's indifferent blood <laughs> from from the fan base. And like it's, what, it's it, the Lucy and Charlie Brown thing I was talking about in our last show. Yeah. And last week I was Charlie Brown once again. Right? Yeah, and that's and we've all all three of us have been Charlie Brown multiple times with Shaka. Yeah. And and yeah, it's and not just Shaka, Rick Barnes. Yeah, and Tim is Tim. Tim will go for go for that ball again next year because he's an optimist by nature. Um, so will I, just because I because I'm going to hurt myself. I, you know, so when I wrote the recap uh, today, the analogy I brought up was the 2007 Mavericks, the year that they went through and were blitzing the N- NBA. They were the one seed in the West. They were. They were going nuts, and Dirk was on his way to be the MVP, and then they got popped by Golden State, who was the eight seed in the first round, and Dirk won his MVP that year. And like that was the year after the Miami Heat Finals, where they, you know, they lost to LeBron and company. No, excuse me, it was Dwayne Wade. Excuse me, they lost to Dwayne Wade, and the fan base in Dallas was so toxic at that point. They were so done with Dirk and the Mavs and they were just fed up that it didn't matter. It didn't matter what they did the entirety of the 2008 season because nobody really gave a shit because the only thing they could do to prove they were different was in the playoffs. That was that was the only place they could they could prove that this might be changing. And they lost in the first round again. And that's when Avery Johnson got fired and they brought in Rick Carlisle and and that that fresh air, that that sort of chance for everybody to reset helped. It helped. It helped everybody. You know, they're like, okay, we'll give this a shot again. And like, I I kind of feel like that's where we're at with Shaka. Is like, you need a reset because at this point, Texas fans don't give a fuck about this program. Like, they're they're just they're they're you're gonna have. To, I don't. And you're know. losing diehards. Yeah. You're well, losing yeah. Diehards. Yeah. And I don't. I'm, I don't know. I'm what, almost done with this program. I, for me, I mean, I would consider myself a diehard, not as diehard as you, Tim, or Johnny. I mean, I've been going to these games since I was a child. You guys are fucking full of shit. I, I love you both. You're full of shit. 
because 24 hours ago you were not done with this team. And if they come out and win next year, if they win the Maui Invitational next year, or they start out, you know, 15 and two, you're oh, back. I'm 100 percent back on board. You're yeah, right. I look. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not telling you guys to not be sad i'm sad as fuck right i was we were sitting in the car right my both my parents have gotten both their covid shots my wife and i have gotten both of our covid shots so we went and had dinner tonight at our parents at my parents place who live in town and it was delightful right if people have been doing that the entire covid time cool but we haven't so it was it was nice for us we're getting in the car and you know i kind of check the rearview mirror and sigh real quick and owen says my son says to my daughter Texas lost last night, <laughs> you know, and like, that's it. Like it, that was whatever it was 18 hours later. Right. And it just, it still is very painful and, and just sucks. And I just like, again, this, the amount of time that I spend with this team, with these recruits, with these, you know, with watching this stuff is pretty significant. And I know that I'm not the only one by a long margin, but I do, but you know, the, it, I have no problem with people being upset or frustrated. But if if they win, then people are back. And people were back 24 hours ago, and that loss was terrible. And I know that I do this all the time. I know that this is my shtick and that it's probably wearing super old, and people are just like, just let us fire Shaka Tim, get out of the way. And I won't, I won't, of course, not that I had any power in the first place. I won't stop anybody. You can be a human not, shield but, for him. Yeah. Uh, but I, my thing is this, like, I'm not going to call, I, it, I wouldn't have called for Rick's firing. I was happy when Rick went to Tennessee. That seemed to make sense. I was glad for that happening. I'm not going to call for Shaka stuff. And I won't lie to you. <laughs> Johnny said it before. We were up with 15, as poorly as we played, we were up with 15 seconds left. Abilene Christian hit five shots in the second half that banked in, five of them that banked in against contested defense like like this i don't want to say bullshit shots but like as few shots as abilene christian actually made five of them in the second half were contested banks from like eight to 15 feet ramey misses a layup we lost by one (laughs) and it's and and is the narrative if the narrative if, if texas wins 52 51 what's the narrative today shaka can't coach we can't win he can't win in march i don't know i mean maybe Maybe it's the exact same thing. It's one. It's 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 a single basket, and here is where I come out on this. And this is this is true. And I I I know that I always compare this to the 2010 and then the 2011 seasons. Both of those years, we came out of 2010. Everyone was fucking done with Shaka. Done. You mean and Rick? what made? Oh yeah, with Rick. I'm sorry. And what made the Arizona game so painful was because it sucked a bunch of people who were so frustrated from the year before back in. And and to feel almost that validation of like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have got my hopes up. I knew I shouldn't have been back in there. Made that game really sting. And or just like like Johnny said, it's a gut punch. Like it literally does feel like you're sick. I sat here last night on my couch just like feeling sick. Like the red wedding. Like when <laughs> you know, when I watched the red wedding, because I had no idea what was going on in that show. And it's like I just sat there staring at my screen for like an hour, like, oh my god, what did I just watch? But the other part is, and maybe this is, honestly, to me, this might be the most damning thing about it. It's not about X's and O's to me. It's not about, it's not about recruiting classes necessarily. It's not about whatever. Shaka has now tied his 
tenure at Texas essentially to four guards. Kerwin Roach, Andrew Jones, Matt Coleman, Courtney Ramey. Four consecutive recruiting classes, four guards that have that have all in some fashion or another been incredibly important to the team. Save for uh, about a five-game stretch for Matt here over the la- you know until the game against Abilene Christian, none of it's been good enough. Arguably, none of it's been even close to good enough. So is the problem that he's recruiting the wrong guards? Is the problem the progress? I don't know. And and so if if the problem is, is he recruiting the wrong guards, then do we think he is going to switch that and start recruiting the right ones? If the problem is progression, do we feel like that's a possibility? Is there some way it's going to happen for us? Um, if 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 Ramey and Jones aren't the right guys, what does that say for next year? Who is going to come and save us next year? What's it going to be? Or when they're gone, what what's the hope beyond that? I just I don't I don't know the answer. But I also know that if Tamar Bates comes in and performs at the level I think he can, I think he's going to end up being the first Texas backcourt guy uh, drafted in the first round since since what would be Corey Joseph, I guess. Now, if I'm wrong about that and Texas is bad, okay, I guess I was wrong again. I I don't think I'm going to be wrong about that, but. What will it equate to? I, I'm just not certain, but I, I I love you guys to death. We do this stuff all the time. I embarrass you like I did last time, and I feel terrible about that. <laughs> but from a standpoint of, of what would be, there's there's no way that if Shaka wins next year, people won't come back in. They will. They just, they just will. I think um, they'll come back in, but it'll be very, very tentative. Everybody's going to be incredibly gun-shy. And the slightest, the slightest hint of any backsliding, they're gone. I, I think the the sign of what it's going to be like is going to be the fan attendance. And we're going to see all throughout next year, unless they go on some sort of incredible run, the fan attendance is going to be sparse. At the end of the day, that's, you know, that's sort of, for lack of any other uh, barometer, that's going to be the way we know if people are coming back. And I don't think that, like... You know, maybe Tamar Bates ends up being, you know, De'Aaron Fox or something. I, I don't know, right? But the the point remains is we are once again pinning it on some unknown recruit. Not un, not unknown as in we don't know who he is, but we don't know what he's going to be as a freshman. You are once again chasing, chasing rainbows, Tim, um, <laughs> is sort of what I'm getting at. And like, you need to stick to the rivers and the lakes that we're used to. <laughs> There's... I can't believe I came up with that. We all love each other here. We all yeah. love each other. Yeah. So, no, I guess here's the thing. Like, it is it is one thing to think of what things could be next year. It is one thing to pin your hopes on what could potentially be next year. At a certain point, there needs to be an actual. And to date, through these six years, there has not been enough actual. There has um, been one little highlight. Not little. There's been one highlight. It is the Big 12 championship. That is about it for us. And, and, you know, and to Tim's point, there were large chunks of this year that were the progress we wanted to see, right? Like the, the regular season overall is what we wanted to see. And while rationally it is unfair to pin an overwhelming majority on what happens in March Madness, that's the game. A program like this especially at a quote-unquote non-basketball school. Uh, they, you know, most Texas fans 
tune in around February. They don't they don't really pay that much attention to what's going on in December unless it's a Radford loss or a North Carolina win, you know? Like that's kinda or or they beat Kansas by twenty five in Lawrence. Then they then they're like, Oh hey, holy shit. But other than that, they don't you know, they don't pay attention to what happens against Middle Tennessee State or Central Connecticut or, you know, if they beat Iowa State like they're supposed to, because Iowa State's bad that year, like they don't really pay attention. They pay attention to to the outliers or the the extreme results, right? Uh, but other than that, uh, Texas fans tune in late January, early February, depending on what's going on with the football team, and um, then they tune back out whenever they they bounce out in March. And so, you know, this this is the game when you, when you're the Texas coach. The, the NCAA tournament is, it is the majority of, of your uh, grade. Yeah, my only quick thing is every program in the country chases rainbows with recruits. That's just sort of what happens in college basketball. And I, I Johnny, All college Johnny's, sports. All yeah, college Johnny. sports. I mean, Malik Jefferson was a revival in Texas, fo- in Texas football fandom. Did John Robinson was the same thing. I mean... Did you guys see the Quinn Ewers hype? That was insane. But yeah, everybody does it. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, Johnny's very measured and very purposeful, and I don't think what he says is is out of bounds by any stretch. I think Tamar Bates is really good, and I think there's some other players that are coming in that that Texas leads for right now in the following class after him. That if Shaka brings him in, could be really good and. And so we'll see. It's, maybe I'm going to segue. That's, that is uh, two years from now. That would be year eight. And if if we're sitting in potentially year eight of Shaka still being over in the tournament, why the fuck, when he's got, a at that point, a $3 million buyout, why, why the fuck wouldn't you buy him out? Like, he's got to he's gotta win in March. I, I don't even think you, like, 2023 recruits are irrelevant at this point. Like, He's got to get there first. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I just, I don't, yeah. Like, I just, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I don't, it's not, I'm not against you being like, here's, you know, these recruits should, could be pretty good because they very well may be. You're more in tune with that than I am. I will defer to you on that. I'm not, not, not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that at a certain point, Shock has got to win an NCAA tournament game or else it doesn't matter what fucking recruits he brings in. Because at the at the end of the day, you know, I, I I was very happy about the Big Twelve tournament win. Obviously, clearly, it's on record. Unfortunately, um, there's <laughs> I was I was very happy about getting a three seed. Um, I was very happy about the season, and it's not like it's ruined. It's like this was the shot. This was the, by all of our estimation, this was the year that if anything was going to happen, it, it was this year. And and it didn't happen in March. So why am I supposed to look forward to next year and think, hey, maybe they'll be on the right side of the bubble next year because they're clearly going to be a step down, in my opinion. Like it's, I, you know, with what they lose, like they're probably going to be back to sort of the nine and nine and ish in conference team that they've been most years under Shaka. And I why why am i why am i gonna get super emotionally invested in that like you know or or maybe let me let me rephrase 100 percent with johnny here 100 percent. i'm sorry why I, I will i will watch those games i will want texas to win i'm not saying like when i say i'm i'm out 
I'm saying like sort of emotional investment wise. Like I will I, obviously I'm still going to watch the games because look at me. Who am I? I'm on this goddamn podcast for a reason, right? Um, this is not me being like a boycott the team, right? Like there's nothing like that, right? It is, I'm going to spend all of next year watching what they do and hopefully being interested in what they do and hopefully being pleasantly surprised. But until they win a game in March Madness, it doesn't change the math for me. It doesn't change the larger math for me. And I don't... <sighs> Time to dust off that article, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, let me, yeah, maybe I just need to post that article every two weeks so they never lose again. Because, like, clearly me saying Shaka needs to go is is the, the catalyst. It's like the, you know, the monkey's paw curling and, like, then they'd go win five straight. So maybe that's what I'll do. I'll just that'll be like a running substack thing is every week and a half or so I'll just be like, it's time for him to go. And they just, then they do a 1990 UNLV run on us. It'll be amazing. Well, you two and... Maybe does and I not maybe you two and Dustin McComas are probably the three insiders in Texas basketball. True insiders. That's a, that's a terrible. That's a disappointing statement. If I'm if I'm one of the top three, <laughs> what do we think may or may not happen with Shaka Smart? Give me your prognosis on where he stands, and is there any movement this offseason? Well, there really is only three options, I suppose. Um, they keep him, they fire him, or he leaves for another gig. So what gigs are open slash will be open? Um, will there be some Marquette. places? Yeah, which people would point to the fact that, you know, he's he's legitimately from the area and um, maybe make some sense from that standpoint. Does he want to coach in the Big East? Is that where he wants to be? I don't. I don't know. Um, would he leave there? Would they want him in the first place? Would that be, you know, would he be someone that they're interested in? I'm not, I'm not really certain. I don't have any, I've got a couple Marquette, uh, sources, but they are not in the basketball realm of things. So I'm not sure why the hell they would know anything about it in the first place. So I just, I can't speak to it. Plus it's been, you know, 24 hours or not quite that. If you need um, women's hockey information, <laughs> uh, men's tennis, believe it or not. Oh, okay. uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, do do I think that there would be some jobs that would open up this year that Shaka could be a candidate for? Of course. Absolutely. No question about it. There's this it. team in Virginia. <laughs> They're out of Richmond. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. Uh, is he going to get fired? I doubt it. I doubt it. I think the, the only way that, that he gets fired this year is if is if the powers that be at Texas – feel like they've got a home run ready to rock right and are, are there home run hires out there that a are interested in texas or b would even come to texas or b or c be financially feasible for texas i don't know i'm not sure it's interesting to hear you guys talk about apathy with the fan base and then think about like okay well how do i marry that with whatever 25 million dollar price tag would come with firing him and hiring someone else i know i don't know the answer to that. i mean you saw that with texas football and firing tom herman was firing tom herman the right answer maybe but it sure as hell brought in a lot more eyes it brought in the recruitment trail it brought in texas fans back in it kind of gave the program a breath of fresh air, which is what Johnny is suggesting here. Now, Tim, when are we going to announce Brad Stevens? 
<laughs> so so I want I want to be clear about this. There are names that if you told me in half an hour or tomorrow, Shaka's gone. We're bringing in this guy. I don't mean to just say guy. Not that there would be no women out there that could be capable coaches. Like I don't know, maybe they'd hire a Don Staley. I have no so. Anyways, guy in the royal right. we sort of sense, right? right? The, the royal guy, right? But if, if, if they say, hey, we're going to hire this guy and bring him in, there's a number of names that would move the needle for me, and then I would be like, yes, sorry, Shaka, time to go. But that's that's one of the question marks that I think is going to be an important one for people, like, because at, at at some level. And here's here's maybe where I really do not push back in a negative way or in a frustrated way. Like here's here's my rebuttal to Johnny's frustration with what I had to say before. Like too too, too nice. You're too nice. Okay. Well, I, yeah, but it's important to me. <laughs> okay, then who? Because there were people on Inside Texas a few years ago who were like Steve Wojciechowski could kill it at Texas, and it's just like fucking hold on, my guy. Like what are you talking about? Like just just hold on, Sister Jean. <laughs> would wreck shop at Texas. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's tough. You know, it's tough. And I think that there's a lot of really good coaches out there. And if and if they were the right fit and it made sense and and we were excited to bring them in, I literally don't know that there are three coaches in the country right now that would excite me more than Shaka did when he was hired. Not that that should have any bearing on whether we hire we keep him on or not. But I don't know that there's anyone that I would be more excited about than I was about Shaka at the time. And so when you're thinking about what the next step is and where Texas is going to go, the real question is, what's the harbinger for change? Is the harbinger for change, hey, we've got someone better? Is the harbinger for change, Shaka wants to go someplace else because he's decided that it's, that it's time for him to leave? Or is the harbinger for change, fucking anybody? Right, <laughs> just uh, we don't know who it's going to be. We have no idea, but it's time for this dude to go. And you can say what you want about Tom Herbin, Herbin, sorry, Harmin. That's what a Freudian sleep. Herbin is that right there? Sorry, um, <laughs> but you cannot convince me that at least a significant reason that Herman is gone is because he lost the team. They did not like him, and there were important people around the program. Was like this guy's a dick. And you just you won't find that with Shaka. So whatever the financials were that made sense, what however you compare football to basketball at Texas, I I do think that that's a question. And and I will reiterate once again, if 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 Texas announces tomorrow, Royal Ivy, Brad Stevens, Brad Underwood, Nate Oates, you know I I, I there's of course there's other guys that are out there, but like if 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 you tell me some of those guys are going to come to Texas, cool. I'll pack Shaka's bags for him, you know, for for a nominal fee. But uh, <laughs> but you know, I if if you were if you were literally after this season at the point where like you're like I don't even care who it is I don't I don't need to know beforehand get Shaka out of here and we'll figure it out as it is. If you're at that point and that's where you're at, cool man. That's but I'm not there. I and I and it I do feel a little bit I do feel a little bit interested. And someone who would say that after they won the Maui Invitational, after they took third place, after they won the Big 12 tournament. Because, again, you go back to November and we say those things happen and we're going to get a three seed, but we're going to get upset. Would you still take it? I bet there's a number of Texas fans who would take it. But it hurts now because of the way it happened. But Let's bring in you know. Steve Prom. <laughs> uh, that would, yeah, that would be just my luck. Just the Timster's luck. Yeah, I, I mean, I think... 
it's not that I disagree with your point. Like I, it's, it's, it is important who the alternative is. Um, it's not, we got to get rid of him regardless of who comes in. Right. Cause that's, that's nonsense. But I think, and maybe, and we were having a discussion about this before the, before the recording started. So the, the, the short version is that the statement I made was if you're done with him, you're done with him. And you decide to move on and work your way from there. What I think I, I would rephrase that as if you decide he is not the long-term answer and that you need to move on at that point, then you start looking at the alternatives and figuring out the viability. But you have to make the decision first of, I, I don't think this guy's the answer. And then you start going with, okay, who's out there? Who's available? Who can we realistically get? Who will come here? Uh, what what are their buyouts, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like you start digging in, digging into the details and figuring out feasibility from there. So I, I don't think Tim and I are as far apart as he might have thought originally. And it's it's fair. Like if, uh, and, and to Tim's point, I'm not super confident in CDC's men's basketball hiring ability. Um, I've looked at his history and Jamie Dixon was his best hire and that fell in his lap because Pittsburgh was tired of Jamie Dixon and he was tired of Pittsburgh and they're still and an alumni and yeah. 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 And, and he's, yeah. And he was an, he's an alumni, uh, or an alumnus and he wanted to come back and they're fine. You know, they're, they're pretty okay being NIT NCAA bubble team kind of thing. So it works for them for the most part. Uh, it's better than they've been for decades. Other than that, his hiring history is not great. It's entirely possible that we we get to this point of, okay, we got to replace Shaka, and he tries and goes for the home run, the sort of, you know, Urban Meyer of basketball, as it were, goes after, you know, Brad Stevens or Jay Wright or some other nonsense that's not going to happen and fails, and then we're like, Oh well, now we just gotta we gotta find a guy like and and they end up with Sean Miller or Archie Miller or something or whatever right like or or Will Wade Mick Cronin <laughs> yeah Mick Cronin uh, who's gonna really play faster this year for the first time in his history it's gonna be you know it's it is fraught with a lot of peril and it is fair to bring up those dangers because there is as much as as much as I am tired of this scenario we're in the situation we're in right now it can definitely be worse it can absolutely get much worse it could be that texas never revives itself from the 11 and 22 type seasons for whoever the next hire is right like there's there's a lot of potential downside basketball is not a sport that you can money whip in it's just not like uh outside unless you manage to catch lightning in a bottle and find a mid-major guy who's like, he, he's looking to move and he happens to be really successful. And, you know, like it's just, it's a very rare thing, right? And you've got guys like Mark Few who will probably die on the sidelines at Gonzaga because that's the only place he's ever coached, the only place he's ever interested in coaching, no matter what money, you know, any other team throws around at him. Duke could come at him tomorrow and he'd be like, no, I'm good. I'll listen, but oh, I'm pro- I'm good. I, I know where to fish around here. I'm fine. You know, you get a guy like uh, Scott Drew, who he's the, you know, his name's going to be on the court there when he's done. Why would he leave? Why would he leave a place where he is basically a god? You know? This is me doing the jack off yeah. motion. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. So you know. and, and, and he could do that on the court and they'd be like, just, just, just save that sperm. So, you know, somebody put it in a jar. Uh, we're going to display it in the Hall of Champions. <laughs> There's... It, 
there's just a lot of guys out there. Like Texas, in in terms of basketball, is a top twenty five job. Maybe top fifteen, depending on how you want to look at it. It's not top five. It's then probably not top ten. So there's there's guys out there that that Texas fans want that are going to say no, and they have, and so there is a potential risk there of of going out and saying we want to replace Shaka and coming back with a subpar alternative and things are things are stagnant and and it's an incredibly important moment for CDC in the program because if he opens that in a, that arena with an 11 win team on a new you know with a new coach like that's going to do some real damage long term to to fan base interest they'll show up to go check out the new arena and they'll spend like half the game walking around the concessions being like oh it's really nice i like this this is very nice but they're not paying they don't give a shit about the game and they're there once and gone so yeah it's just i i understand that saying that i don't think he's the answer long term and i'm ready to move on does not mean that i have a good answer for who should replace him and and or guarantee the success of it right um I am asking a lot. That was my fear with Tom Herman in, you know, Steve Sarkeesian. He seems like he's going to be a good replacement, but yeah, you'll we see. still don't know. We still yeah. don't know. It's the same way when, when it was time for Barnes to go. I was, you know, I, and it's part of why I waited as long as I did to say I'm ready for Barnes to go because I was terrified of, you know, it's, it's one, you know, Barnes always got you to the tournament one way or the other, and he might win a game or two, maybe. But he's not, you know, but we hit this point of stagnation and it was just, I was ready. But it, it took me a while to come around to that point because I was, I knew what the downside was. And it's, it's the downside's no different now than it, than it was back then. So I, I don't see a viable path forward for Shaka. I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope that, you know, he, he comes out next year and goes gangbusters. Up tomorrow Bates is Trey Young. Yeah. Or, you know, or whatever, right? Like it's. I don't know how it's going to work out, but it doesn't change the fact that I, I love Tim. I love you too, my guy. Will, Will's all right. <laughs> all right. I don't think we're going to be doing a pretend we're a fantasy football draft in this this show. We're, we're all a little down in the dumps. Quick, draft your most embarrassing, painful loss ever. <laughs> <laughs> Maryland. Mm. The end. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. But yeah, this has been another year of Pretend We're Football. Thank you all so much for listening to us. It's been a hell of a ride this year. Uh, We really do appreciate you all listening and giving us your ear and your voices on Twitter and, you know, just hanging with us every year for the past five yeah. All thank, 12 th- of you. Thank you for, <laughs> might be up to 13. Uh, I, th- thank you for listening to us uh, go through group therapy together. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, really, really, that's what it is. Variety show, group therapy, whatever this is. This is group therapy for Texas basketball fans is what it is. So that's what this really is. Tim, you have any, any final words here? No, just as, as the sappy one of our group, no, I, it still shocks me that people are interested so means a lot to to know that what we have to talk about is is interesting to you guys and please know that we we don't take it for granted means a lot to us thank you yeah we love y'all anyways thank you for pretending we're football for the past hour 
And no, thank you for attending Weird Football for the past year. I've been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. And y'all, if something does happen in the offseason, you know, if we do get a, a, an interesting guest that we want to come on and, and do an interview with, we'll be back. We'll be back. This might not be the end, but for now, this is it. Johnny, Mr. Bitter White Guy, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at BitterWhiteGuy, also BitterWhiteGuy.substack.com, although that is probably going dark for a bit, because what what the hell am I going to write about? Um, But yes, you can find me on there. And Mr. Timothy Preston, where can we find you? On Twitter, uh, at InsideTexasHoop, no S, and on InsideTexas.com, awesome community, great basketball coverage, we'd love to have you. You guys can find other shows like this one on the Hornscast channel. Probably be mostly football at this point, recruiting. Uh, so go ahead and subscribe there on the Hornscast channel on any podcasting platform out there. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you all later. Hook them. Hook them. Also go check out Will's other podcast, Call of Cthulhu. They got some cool shit going on there too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye.